Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here with Dane Christensen. Hello. And Megan Strand. Hey. And we are the Naked Marketers. And, uh, you know, um, we've had a little trouble getting started today. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get that out in the open. I'm, I got to tell you, I'm a little under the weather, a little bit loopy, maybe just a tad medicated. Uh, and uh, I, I, think, uh, I think we all have a little bit of a, a syndrome today. Don't you think, guys? <laughs> Why are you a syndrome? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a syndrome. True. Well, I, you know, it started because of this. We started talking about the news. We started talking about what we were going to cover, and and one of the important things we were going to talk about is is uh, that you know last was it last week or the week before that you were gone, Megan? I think it was last week. Last week. See, time is all a blur. Uh, last week, Megan was at the Cause Marketing Forum <laughs> in Chicago, and Dane, bless his heart. <laughs> Thought that we were talking that that the cause marketing uh, forum was actually a uh, somehow related to cosplay or, or costume play, some sort of you know. Uh, uh, I thought it for just a short while. Alternate lifestyle. Well, longer longer than that, I, I think. To be fair, and and began researching in our pre-show various uh, cosplay related uh, tools. So to speak, and well, one of them to bring it back to the show you, that you found, I think that you wanted to share is is actually a story that links cosplay and cause marketing. Oh, I d- no, yeah. no. Oh, there is not. There is no connection. <laughs> this is it's important I'm that tired, we. It's I'm tired impo- of being bullied by you. No, too. it's important <laughs> that we bring this out because this is Megan's. Uh, you know, uh, cause celeb is uh, is cause marketing. Is what she does uh, every day. She's I, a player you know in the field, and we need to understand it. And so I think it's important that we get it out on the table. Here's yes, the problem. Thank you. Thank I, got, you. I got distracted from that story. I, I'm right now, I'm on the Facebook uh, fan page, <laughs> Cosplay Starbucks. And I, I hate it when I'm late for news. You know, news like passes me by. It's been a May 1st was where cosplay to Starbucks day. And on Facebook, it's, so it's facebook.com slash cosplay Starbucks. They've got 4,300 fans, and everyone has pictures of the uh, cosplay that they wore to Starbucks on May 1st. I completely missed it. And, but it uh, probably explains quite a lot from May 1st when people had some interesting experiences at Starbucks. Oh. Well, people, did they? To I, me, don't I mean, I, I, what would I, uh, what really, to go to Starbucks and, and, you know, dressed in your finest Final Fantasy 13 garb? Uh, right. <laughs> I, you know, I I don't know. Do you, what is what is in vogue in cosplay these days? Is is Mario in vogue, or do we have to stay with the uh, the more contemporary, uh, you know, anime anime? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm looking here. I'm seeing a lot of blue hair, um, a lot of braids, braids, a lot of braids. You, you got really got to check out this site. I mean, this is fun stuff. Yeah, and, this and is. You, and, and I want to get a little deeper. I want to know if like some this is some like rogue marketing effort from Starbucks somehow. This is this is what you're going deep on, Dane. <laughs> All right. All right. So well, we do need to talk about the cause marketing forum, right? I mean, that was kind of a that was a big deal. It was all it was the a way big deal. in the well, middle America. It was in Chicago yeah. and um flyover state. I think you guys would have been very surprised at who was there because it was a it was a pricey conference and um the people that do cause marketing for a living um, are come in two camps. One is big brands. So you had Nike, Macy's, Pepsi, Target, like these huge brands um, that are figuring out ways to incorporate causes with uh, what they do on a day-to-day basis um, to raise their awareness, to engage their employees, to engage their, their customers. And then you have the other school, which is sort of agency folk. And some of these agency people are specifically cause marketing focused, but some of them are just kind of, um, you know, traditional PR agencies that are trying to wrap their heads around this, um, have done some campaigns for some clients. Um, but it was, it was, pretty impressive. I think um, 
the people and and of course they're the the nonprofit community was there as well but it was nonprofits like feeding america that do cause campaigns all day long every day and raise a gajillion dollars um you know so the bigger nonprofits are that are playing in the space Komen, of course which was an interesting discussion um or lack thereof. Why? Why? Uh, why? Why is that? It seems like there's an inside joke that needs to be plumbed. <clears throat> well, yeah, not on the inside. Coleman on the inside. Um, you probably I don't know if you saw this or not. It probably didn't. it's nothing. Anybody? Well, you might not have paid attention, but so Coleman did this buckets for the cure partnership with Kentucky Fried Chicken, now known as KFC, mm-hmm. and the irony being that fried chicken is obviously terrible nutritionally for you and for an agency that is promoting breast cancer awareness and advocacy it's probably not the best partner so they um <clears throat> while it was supposed to be the largest one time donation from a company like 8.5 million dollars something like that they got skewered all over the you know the blogosphere for that partnership um and so there's a woman there from Coleman and Coleman as you guys know, has a huge market share and everybody knows the pink ribbon. And <clears throat> But she spoke nothing about – she made a joke when she first got up to speak about, oh, I should have brought fried chicken for everyone. And everybody sort of laughed nervously and uncomfortably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then she proceeded to not talk at all about the partnership. <clears throat> because then- of the – KFC Double Down, my <laughs> favorite, the, the, the most same- disgusting sandwich I've never eaten. <laughs> launched the same week. Yeah, exactly. So Let's anyway, do so- cosplay uh, at KFC Day. Oh, exactly. That No, yeah. that, is a, that is a good partnership. So anyway, she was a little bit controversial. And she was, you know, I did a blog post on this. She really was starting to talk about things that were making me a little bit cranky, like, oh, we need to reclaim our space. And we contributed to the pink clutter. And I'm thinking, um... Aren't you a cause? Shouldn't shouldn't your mission be to promote the cause and right. you know use your status and power for to leverage people around the cause versus like trying to stamp out your quote unquote competition? So anyway, so that that was that. But um, well, but yeah, it, it, it got it, a lot. It did get a lot of press. I mean, I remember it was a Daily Show. I think uh, Stewart <clears throat> skewered him uh, about. Or no, it wasn't uh, John Stewart. It was uh, Lewis Black on the Daily Show. He came on and, and did this it, fantastic. Uh, brand sponsorship chain about yeah. how Komen was sponsoring KFC, which was also you know sponsoring something. Actually, oh, was it I Colbert? It was. It... it was just priceless. It was awesome. Uh, and it all came back to smoking somehow. Like some, they were all linked to Marlboro or something like that. I want to find that and post it on the. Well, because it was like this fried chicken yeah. causes coronary heart disease, so then we should donate to the Heart Association. Yeah, exactly. Then, you know, and they are their sponsors, whoever. But that causes liver failure, exactly. so then we should. We it should was, all be drinking more scotch. Something. Yeah, it was, it's it was pretty yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a good conference. I got to meet some interesting folks. And we actually, next week, we'll have a, a guest from uh, somebody that I met from that conference as well, from 3BL Media, which is a very interesting uh, content distribution concept. So how do you, did that, was there any conversation about, um, it, you know, the, the, the sort of cognitive dissonance that comes from big companies doing cause campaigns. You know, we always ran into this, you know, in, in, in a past life, we would run into this all the time where you, you have this, you know, usually it comes from PR corporate communications department says, you know what? We need to generate more positive buzz about our company. Let's, let's put together some sort of a scholarship somewhere or, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's teach the blind how to yodel or something. Like that. I mean, you know, it's just some it completely random thing that, that seems like opportunity. it seems like a do-gooder kind of a, a kind of a thing that really is so blatantly, um, uh, you know, exploitative uh, to just to try to get your brand attached to something that someone out there is going to think of as a good deed. Yet it doesn't really have any heart to it. And, right. and it's very clear that it doesn't have any heart to it. It seems to me that cause marketing is probably one of the uh, one of the most difficult fields because of that. How do you mitigate those two issues? How do you do something that actually uh, where you can actually prove you're you're doing good work and that your intent is pure? Is there such thing as in, as pure intent in cause marketing? Oh, well, I think there has to be. And that was, you know, a huge focus of conversation there, you know, all about being transparent, about being authentic, things like this. But I think the key when it comes to cause marketing and, you know, you're seeing this from Pepsi, um, you're seeing it from Macy's, you're seeing it from, you know, a bunch of these campaigns is that I think the key is to sort of leverage corporate resources, but then put it in the hands of your consumers. So Pepsi Refresh is all about, um, you know, getting 
worthy nonprofits to sort of rise up from a from a groundswell effort, not from Pepsi saying, oh, well, we think ABC Charity out in the middle of Yodelville is important. So that's what we're going to donate to. So it's more allowing consumers to vote and, um, ha- you know, get engaged. Um, similarly with Macy's, they've done a really, really nice job in engaging their employees and all of their associates. And, um, and they really try to stay, they obviously do national things, but they try to stay local as far as, um, their employee engagement in stores and, and, and the like. So I think when you're getting to a point where you say, okay, this is what we stand for and this is what's important to us. Um, we're going to make funds available. We want to support this cause in this way and then kind of, take your hands off the wheel to a certain extent and, and let your consumers and your employees drive that, I think it becomes a lot more authentic because then you have real people caring about it, not somebody sitting in some C-suite going, oh yeah, this is the charity. So, Yeah, you know, I mean, you know what jumps to mind is the, what is it, the, is it the Dawn, uh, Dawn project right now where they're, you know, washing oil-covered ducks in the Gulf? Yes, uh, you wrote, you blogged about that. What was that? What's that campaign all about? Is that so, one? That, is that a good thing? Is that one that's a? Well, is here, that a, is that here's the thing example? with with that. Okay, so my, I personally thought it was a good example, and I was interested to to know why P and G wasn't pushing it a little bit harder because literally Dawn is the best thing to wash oil soaked wildlife um, in tragedies like this. So um, this is what they use. And P and G has been generous in, in their support of the, it's like the international bird rescue research center or something. I can't remember the, the exact name of the nonprofit that they partner with. But when I dug into it a little bit more, they, they've been partnering with this organization for 30 years. I mean, cause oil spills have been happening, happening for quite a long time. Um, <clears throat> so, when you get to a point where you have that long term of a partnership that is that, you know, much of a direct link, like really Dawn is the best product. Like it makes total sense for P&G to partner with this. I was just interested to see that they weren't promoting it more. <laughs> I, yeah. mean, I thought, I thought, hey, if you have like that nice of a match, I would go ahead and talk about it. And, um, you know, and they've done some. It's some on. Other, it's on the bottles. Pra- it's on. It's on some sale. bottles. Not all it's the bottles. It's on some so. bottles. And um, ironically, this particular campaign, where you see all the little ducky Dawn bottles, like people are getting more aware of it. But that actually started. I want to say it was November. Like this, it's a, it's a campaign that's been running before the oil spill even oh. happened. So, um, so yeah, so that I think that was going that worked very well in their favor and that it wasn't a responsive, it wasn't in response to the, the Gulf what's going on in the Gulf right now. So, Interesting. yeah. So, I mean, I think you have to be very careful. There are plenty of slippery slopes in cause marketing. Um, and to me, you know, and I've, you know, I think cause marketing is a step toward more greater social responsibility and, and just sustainability in general. Um, it's not the end all be all. Um, I did a post recently on Levi's as well because I think they do a really nice job. They have spent a ton of time and money and effort to figure out what their impact is on the world with their product. I mean, they've commissioned an external study to do sort of a whole life cycle analysis. And what Levi's has found is that the biggest impact of their product it comes after the fact, like after the purchase, because people are using hot water to wash their jeans. Um, and then, you know, eventually they may end up in a landfill. So they, what they've done is taken cause marketing sort of in reverse. And they did this study first from a sustainability perspective. And then they wrapped a cause campaign around like, okay, like um, they have something running right now. I can't remember what it's called. Care to something. Um, and it's about, okay, find alternative ways to dry your clothing um, other than a clothes dryer, because that is a huge impact. And then they've also have a partnership with Goodwill and they have like the first care tag in their jeans that essentially say, you know, wash in cold water, line dry, and then donate when you're done, which is kind of a cool little, little thing. So I like that approach. Um, and I think that's eventually where you're trying to get with cause marketing. I don't think it's an end all be all. Well, I did find some pictures of Megan at the conference that maybe we can get posted up on the site. Um, Megan visiting Starbucks while you were there, or am I confused? On on cosplay day, <laughs> I think so. Is it that her in the purple jerk. hair? There's some. Is that <laughs> Megan? Is that you in a Sailor Moon costume? <laughs> Thanks for keeping it real, Dane. I well, appreciate you know, it's important to awesome. have it's important to have a celebrity uh, identify with your cause campaign, right? I mean, that's a that's a vehicle. 
<laughs> and Sailor Moon just might be it. <laughs> I love these pictures. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so, gl- I'm so glad to know, Danny. Like, not heard a word I've said over the last 10 minutes. I just, awesome. I keep trying to picture you guys in cosplay uniforms at the, at, the, cos at, the, cos, yeah. at the cos marketing. That needs to be problem. done. I, I think I we would have. I think Sounds like there were lots of sharp folks there. Uh, so we've got you've you've uh, you, you, we've got three BL Media is going to be joining us to talk about some of the work they've been doing. Um, who did did we is that it so far that we've that you're bringing over to uh, to the show or? Yeah, for now. For now, I've got some other thoughts, but yeah, that's for later. Well, it's really interesting stuff, and I think it's you know it's important stuff because it's it's one of the if you're if you're a, a small medium sized business, it's kind of easy to get. Uh, to get involved through donations and through, you know, employee activism, it's easier to encourage those things. But for large organizations, it's it becomes increasingly difficult, uh, given the natural sort of siloization that happens in large businesses, particularly between, you know, m- the marketing and advertising arm and the, you know, more corporate communications PR arms of the organizations that, that in many companies tend to be very different and so uh or discreet and so you know a lot of what cause marketing in my view does is is brings those two together to say you know what what can we do that that really with intent with positive intent and and for lack of a better word sort of purity allows us to get the word out about the good things that we're doing too so i i think it's a really important uh, important field to investigate and i don't i don't think there's a there's a whole lot of discussion there uh, is a lot of discussion but um in very select communities. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's sort of insular. Um, so I, it's great. So overall, it was a good show. Would you recommend it uh, for other folks to attend? I would recommend it for certain folks to attend. Um, like for me or Dane? For you or Dane, I Probably think me, but not so much Dane. Just, just, what? <laughs> just letting me translate okay. for you. Right. No, that's I just – I pour – because Dane will show up toilet. at the wrong conference. I mean, that's <laughs> I know. I just try to blend it and keep it keep it going. Uh, I try to kill two birds with one stone. Well, what what else happened last week uh, that that we may have missed out talking about? Well, you guys have a lot. Well, we had the All Things D conference D eight hit last week, and there was just some. You know, it's the uh, Walt Mossberg, Kara Swisher sit on stage and grill executives in tech and and it was you know it was mostly interesting uh, you know there were a few there were, there were a few speeches that I think were really interesting from a marketing perspective. The big names are, uh, you know, Steve Jobs was the keynote interview, an hour and a half with Steve Jobs uh, and then Walton and Kara Swisher and and uh, you know they they did a pretty good job. They don't pull uh, pull punches on the the hard questions, you know, the questions that have really sparked a lot of debate in um you know, in Apple's actions in the marketplace and and I think are illustrative of some of of strategy that that I think is a good reminder um uh, for all of us about, you know, how the market determines uh, you know what we're going to do, and in particular, you know, Walt asked about the thoughts on Flash. Um, it, you know, Steve Jobs wrote this long uh, post on Apple dot com about why they chose not to have Flash on the iPhone, and the bottom line for for Jobs, in addition to a number of of other things, was that it's buggy. It doesn't, and there's no evidence that it actually runs well on a mobile device. And and you know what they had said to Adobe early on was, you bring us a version of Flash that works really well that doesn't eat your battery life and doesn't crash the phone and we'll look at it very very seriously and to date adobe has not been able to do that uh, and so there's this big sort of uh, pissing match in the marketplace between adobe and apple well uh, you know jobs response to this question at d8 was really i, I think pitch perfect which was look we have limited resources to devote to developing this technology. And we make choices based on where we believe the market is going. And we believe Flash had its day. Now, if we're wrong, and we may be wrong, but if we're wrong, people will stop buying our devices. And to date, that has not happened. We let the market drive what we're doing and we uh, and and you know we're going to keep making devices that we think are the best devices that we that we can possibly make for our customers. Well that's uh, and <clears throat> Pete that's kind of one of the points is it, it it's both market driven and and I think this is where 
um, Apple continues to be very, you know, relevant um, is, uh, in, in, you know, designing things with integrity or designing things that they really believe are the best things. I think that was a, a point you were talking about yeah. a little bit earlier about um, uh, the, that he really came across with in his interviews. And I think you might say about Steve Jobs on a personal level, he may or may not be a raging jerk. I'm not, you know, like I've read a lot of things that make you think like, wow, he might be really very difficult to be around, but he's just relentlessly thoughtful. I mean, to, to, to listen to this guy talk about, I mean, he, he is, uh, driven and, Mm -hmm. and, and very, um, I mean, this, this interview is, is, and many of his interviews, I think, are incredibly thoughtful, really. Um, and when so when he talks about like what you're saying about Flash, and you know, I mean, you you hear a lot about how he's all marketing hype, or you know, like that's his his thing is, you know, the marketing genius of Steve Jobs. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I like watching the keynote addresses, but I don't think they're brilliant per se. Like, I don't think it's the greatest presentation ever per se. They're not. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. I don't think that's necessarily um his heavy play i i think it is like you're kind of driving towards is just that um that thinking uh, about you know what really drives the best product and the best user experience i i think you have to say that i think whether you're 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 into you know apple products or or not you have to you have to say that you know i it it is a i think that's a really key lesson is is that um you know, whatever you think of, of, you know, Apple's products versus anything else, they are from the inside out, they are machined, uh, really to be beautiful, positive experience products. And, and I think you're, you're absolutely right. When you, and Steve Jobs does not give a lot of interviews, uh, you know, and when he sits down and you ask those questions and he's able to answer, you know, you really get a view inside. Um, a, a process that that is so hard to really get your wrap your arms around. It's so easy to look at it as just marketing veneer until you hear his voice as the voice behind it. It's just got a lot of integrity in the process, and I think that's a really good point. I like I like this little quote from the interview. We never saw ourselves in a platform war with Microsoft, and maybe that's why we lost. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really great point. Did he and seem? I, did he seem? Did you watch it actually, yeah, Peter? Yeah. So did he seem? angry about the whole flash thing or did he just seem like hey well, yeah no he seemed he seemed agitated i don't know i don't think he was angry <laughs> i think he's agitated because he says you know we didn't we didn't start the the public fight about this and that was something he said a couple of times we didn't we didn't start this no, they didn't. with adobe uh, they they got mad and they came at us and so this is a response to you know this public furor that is uh, apparently such a big deal and yet People are still buying iPhones, so who thinks it's a big deal besides Adobe? Well, I mean, I don't. Yeah, Adobe and about three million Flash developers. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, but and yet, <laughs> uh, you know, you see, you're seeing more and more sites. I mean, I'm running into as a yeah, as there are many of my peers, fewer and fewer sites where that have any Flash issues at all. All these developers are seem to be. Uh, you know, making some changes, uh, evolving, evolving, and that's just the nature of it. And I think, you know, I, I uh, Adobe's uh, this was was Steve Jobs' public call to Adobe that you know if you spent less time bitching about it and more time developing awesome HTML5 development tools for all of these developers to begin using, maybe we could just move on. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, that's of course what Adobe is going to continue to do. They make great tools for this. And they will continue to do it. I think it's just, you know, we're seeing a, the um, this is the pain of a radically evolving business over a very short timeline. And, and HTML5 is evolving pretty rapidly pretty right rapidly, now, right? right. You know, I mean, Safari 5 came out with even more, um, you know, support for HTML5, um, you know, standard. And, and uh, you know, these browsers keep coming out that are the latest crazy. I think there's probably more attention at the general user level at uh, you know in browsers i think people are upgrading faster when they see notice that a new browser version has come out i think there's more attention paid to that right now than there was say 5 years ago and so you know we're seeing sites that take that are able to take advantage of these new technologies much more quickly and uh, and are sort of driving the the uh, speed of of adaption or uh, adoption um and that's important um 
uh, you know, even Internet Explorer or even Microsoft has a an internal position that is dedicated to getting people to stop using IE6. Uh, you know, it's time to move on. And and Internet Explorer 9 is going to be have rich, I mean, really rich support for HTML5. That's, I mean, Internet Explorer is usually the last player. Well, in this case, they're still the last player in the ballgame for standards. And this time they're coming out very publicly saying, yeah, this is, this, we know this is where it's going. And uh, if we can help people use, you know, develop great websites and not have to use plugins to do it, like Flash, which is a plugin, then, uh, you know, we want to be on on board with that. So that was an interesting, I mean, you know, I'm talking a lot of tech stuff, but really, you know, it's a, there's, I think there's a lesson to distill out of this, which is that, you know, in this case, in a market where there is enormous competition, I mean, there, in the United States, there are four major cell phone provider carriers. They all have their own, you know, pluses and minuses. They all drop calls depending where you are. They all have, you know, plenty of robust phones. Um, you know, the fact that there is such furor over the fact that the iPhone doesn't have flash or that the iPhone is only on AT&T is, you know, it may be, this is an, uh, you know, an emperor with no clothes that, you know, really, if it's that bad, stop buying it. Right. Uh, yeah, I can tell you, I, I'm, you know, I should be fairly predictable. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be there on June 15th clicking, yeah, you to, will. To get my iPhone 4. Uh, <laughs> it's, it is. It and what like do you think? iPhone 4 or iPad? If you had, if you found yourself. He's got them both. Just, I know well, he no, does. No, no. Let's assume <laughs> you're less fortunate than a he. mere mortal. You had, you had to choose iPhone 4 iPhone or iPad. Oh, iPhone 4 iPhone 4. I, you know, I think the i just the fact that it is, you know, it is a phone. It really depends on what you're going to use it for. But, you know, I, I think the iPhone platform uh is is one that you know they're going to be porting it looks like the rumors at least are that more and more of the apps um you know the great apps you know the iwork apps keynote and pages and numbers it looks like they're coming to the iphone based on some of the rumors iMovie is going to be on the new platform uh and with that huge i mean incredibly high resolution display you're looking at essentially electronic paper uh on the iphone 4 it is crazy it is is really and I'm pretty stoked for iMovie for yeah. the iPhone. Actually, that's that's pretty cool. I think that changes things. I mean, I I really do. It is shooting HD video and editing with such rich tools in the field. I think it's it it really is going to change some things. And I'm kind of excited about you know the the fallout. What ten years down the road of of uh, all the compromising video footage we're bound to have of you know future movie stars and and politicians. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like a, a a do-it-yourself journalist with this phone. You're going you're going to be able to be like a, a portable everything, yeah. everything and, really. And that's the idea. I mean, I think that's the idea with these with the convergence of these devices. And so I think Apple is, you know, once again, Android came out with a whole bunch of. I I think Android's a great platform. I just don't think it's just, it's finished. And I think every time Apple releases a new product, every year at this time, we come out with a, a phone that just completely changes changes the game. It's evolutionary, but it. It raises the bar so that now people are catching up again, and that's that's great. We need that, um, and and it's no longer to the point where I recommend people switching providers to get an iPhone. I mean, if you come and you say I can't leave, you know, T-Mobile, I you know, go get a Nexus One. It's a great phone. Um, if you're on Sprint and you just can't leave, go get an Evo. It's it's probably the most competitive to the iPhone if if that's your thing. I mean, it's a beautiful beautiful phone, but the the iPhone is still really the the standard bearer so so peter it seems it seems like every week we do a little little apology about talking so much about apple and facebook i told you before we started recording i didn't want to talk about it you just like the mafia you keep dragging me back in well now we have to talk about facebook yeah i was gonna say i want to hear this was the d thing this is is hilarious because i'm watching it on silent right now and i just got through the part where um where mom mom's mom's swisher I see. Tell, I like. Tell, Pete. tell what happened. No, he's uh, you know, poor, poor Zuckerberg. Mark. Poor, Zuckerberg. Uh, poor, poor Mark. Poor little boy. I, I don't know how to. I, I don't even know how to talk about it. He's. I feel bad for the guy. You know, and I want to say because you know, John or, or uh, um, uh, Robert Robert Scoble wrote a, a post on his blog about this because people are giving Zuckerberg a lot of trouble. I have given Zuckerberg a lot of trouble. I've called him, you know, the the bratty step cousin i've got i mean you know i've I've said something but the truth of the matter is this get you know scoble is right on many many levels this guy zuckerberg has 
created a you know he's created a platform and a company that has hired you know uh, over a thousand people uh, to develop this you know this tool that hundreds and hundreds of millions of people interact with every day and there is i mean that's a real gift to our culture at some level it's a great gift as much as it is a curse and yet when you see him on stage at d8 and uh, and, and you know, I mean, we've all been there, right? You're you're speaking in public, you're on stage, and suddenly something hits you just a little bit sideways, and you just don't know quite how to answer it. But it shakes your confidence for that three seconds. That starts that snowball of of confidence breaking, and eventually you hit the flop sweats, right? Where you you now no longer can actually hear what's going on around you. All you hear is that that echo and you, din. It's you like hear, somebody you hear your own sweat dripping it, down your face. Exactly, but it's all it's all superimposed over the sound of a giant gong going off on your head, and and you can it's you you get the tunnel vision, and it's just and so eventually. You you know when the sweat's pouring down your face and and Kara Swisher has to actually turn on the mom voice and say, "Damn it, Mark, take off your hoodie." Um, you know that's a that that's a time where maybe you're not the best face for the company. And I, you know, I don't know that Facebook has a, a face for the company. That's I mean, what I, I was going to say. I don't know who else it is if it's not Zuckerberg. I don't. I don't it's, either. It's not this Elliot Schrag puppet. I mean, he's a <laughs> He's from his New York Times interview. He seems as much of a tool as anybody over there. Um, you know, there there are some other people I've heard tossed around at Facebook, but but uh, you know, he's he is the poster child for this thing, and that's unfortunate. It was a disaster. I mean, the interview was he, a disaster. He should be more of a mascot than a spokesperson. I, I think that's a figurehead, right? A year ago, he's a, or a mast head. Just put his head on a ship right out in front of. Just make him the logo, uh, right? And, you know, and so it's a it's a it's it was troubling. I think for for Facebook to have him represent it, he didn't. He didn't represent well. He wasn't able to answer any any questions. I mean, he just sort of rambled for for a while about um, about everything. And now, some of that is hearsay. I haven't seen the whole interview, only clips, because they only just posted the full session video today, uh, which everybody should head over to d8.allthingsd.com and check it out. Uh, you can also check out um, you know a lot of other really great. Uh, interviews. Julius Janikowski, um, you know, is is they have an interview with him from from day one of the D eight conference that was uh, that's really worth looking at. So, and, and let me just say really quickly about the Zuckerberg sweating thing. You know, that happens to me a lot on this podcast. And Megan, if every now and then you could just remind me to take off my hoodie, I would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Dripping sweat over here. Nervous is a the funny idiot. thing is though that I don't know I, I was listening to it on silent I haven't looked at the whole thing yet but um they then spend probably a full minute examining the inside of the hoodie because it's got this like yeah Facebook the logo thing. all yeah <laughs> yep. well it's at five oh eight p.m. it says on the live blog my God Zuckerberg is literally dissolving in a lake of <laughs> sweat he is visibly flushed and you can see the beads of sweat rolling down his face could this be his Nixon moment <laughs> then it says Kara sympathizes suggests he take off the hoodie he's wearing. You all right? She asks. We're not even yelling, We're not even yelling at you yet. <laughs> oh, oh well, the, and the, you know, it's the slideshow is is pretty funny. I mean, they they really kind of dissolve, you know, over the course of these really dramatic photos, and then they, you know, these are preserved in history of him not not looking his best. I mean, he looks like a nervous kid, and that's it's. It's really hard to to watch. It's really hard to watch, and I I genuinely feel bad uh, uh, about the experience because I totally know uh, know where he's where that comes from. And you know what else about Zuckerberg? As much as you know, right now, I based on what I have read about him, and and I haven't read the new uh, book. What's it called? The Facebook. Um, it's the new insider view of Facebook. I just. I'm going to look for it. Anyway, I I think that book is what I've heard is likely very worth reading. Um, because it illustrates that Zuckerberg is, you know, really these, he's, he's got some trust issues, uh, the, as in you can't, it, it's hard to trust him it, based on his actions as a youth. Um, you know, he's, he's got a questionable sort of a loose relationship with, with his eco- ethical bone. And 
but I, I have a feeling in 25 years he's going to start a company that's probably even bigger and more successful than Facebook. And he'll be the kid that we're talking about with, with, uh, or the guy we're talking about with, uh, with great regard. You know, he's, I, it strikes me as a guy that has some growing up to do. <laughs> probably so. I certainly did at 26. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Dane. I still do. I, <laughs> Things how really old I am now. I the, mean, uh, the book is the Facebook. I turn 30. The book is the Facebook effect and it's by David Kirkpatrick. So, so those are, that's my, uh, you know, we everybody, go watch it. See for yourself. It's, it's an interesting, um, interesting video. It's worth, it's, I think it's worth watching just to understand what is going on. Um, you know, what is going on with the cultural implications of a tool like Facebook in, in, uh, in your life. And, you, and as we uh, go ahead, no, I, I mean, I was going to ask you guys. I mean, how much are you using Facebook right now? Are you still, um, uh, Dane? You were you an active Facebook user? <laughs> Wait a minute, In like the past, for your marketing stuff, I mean, I, are you using it? I'm uh, still using it. Yes, um, yes, I am. I'm. <laughs> oh gosh, um, <laughs> and I've done I've done some things for clients recently on Facebook and gotten into some. Uh, um, do I don't know done some things that I hadn't done in a while I guess uh, in terms of posting and and using Facebook to uh, um, to promote uh, some client ideas and and some client media <clears throat> and we'll continue to and have plans to actually get in quite a bit deeper with with clients uh, in the next couple of months um, some new ones that I've that I've brought on um, I, I will say this though so for my for personal Facebook I, I don't know exactly. You know how things are are trending in terms of of everybody's personal use, but um, I, I'm getting a little bored with the uh, news feed being. I, I mean, I know I've got like 300 something you know people out there uh, that I'm connected to, but um, but why are the same five posting just drivel all yeah. the time? Yeah. On the, how, how do you fix that? Yeah, I, no, I, I, don't know. I just assume I, I, a lot of people are just not using it as actively. Like a lot of people. I don't know how honestly how it's trending because I kind of think maybe my my group right my whatever <laughs> adopted a year and a half ago ish and a lot of them seem to have gotten bored. I'm just like I check the news feed and wow, this is just the same stuff. I don't know, Megan. I'm sort of with Dane. I um, I don't know. I you know I've sort of separated. I'm not doing much professionally on, on Facebook. Um, it's more my personal stuff and I've sort of moved more of my professional stuff to Twitter. So, and I do, I do some personal stuff on Twitter, but it's more, I don't know. I'm pretty <laughs> apathetic about it right now. I think that's, that may be I think Facebook's, it's okay. yeah. Facebook's biggest challenge is, you know, I just don't, I, I'm, I'm as frustrated, frustrated enough with the latest round of privacy you know, and this is this is one of the things. You know, we talked a lot about the privacy changes that that Facebook made a month ago, or you know, two three months ago now. And uh, I was very excited about the opportunity that came with it for for marketers. But that when you dig down into the into the language, it makes me nervous. Uh, you know, uh, sort of foisting some of those changes on your on your users. And so I I became fairly apathetic about Facebook. You know, it's one of those things. If I if I get somebody who really wants to use it, I'll use it. But but my recommendations are going um, you know elsewhere. Uh, and and I think that may be Facebook's biggest challenge. It's sort of the next hurdle to to overcome is to bring people like us back into the active user fold because it doesn't really matter if we have accounts that are just sitting there. I mean, if you know, if, if we're not using them, we're not of any use. And 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 I will say this real quick because I don't I don't know if you guys do any advertising on Facebook, but I have a client that I um you know every every month or two uh. Uh, there'll be a budget for growing the fan base, um, which now I still call it fan base. I guess it's the number of people who like you now. And I, that, that seems odd, but uh, I was running ads for these guys that didn't, didn't, didn't differ terribly. Um, uh, and, and because they, they had great uh, impact, they were fairly predictable. And I just assumed as they moved from fan to like um, that those same, those same ads would be even more um, effective but I ran two or three campaigns after the change that did nothing at all. Wow. And I had, and I'm serious, like at the same budget levels, the same, uh, uh, the same general sort of creative approach, um, went from, uh, again, a very, fairly predictable and, and somewhat robust increase to, to literally nothing or, or, you know, two or three 
like the budget was not being used, the, the, the daily um, spend, um, they were losing fans uh, at a, a fairly, you know, I mean, it was like a, not a bad attrition rate, but but it had increased somewhat. And I had to really dig in and, and figure out, uh, uh, you know, what it was something going wrong. How, you know, were we posting too much information? Were we being annoying? Were, um, or was it just, is it people dropping out of Facebook altogether? It was a slight increase in, in their attrition rate, but not, but we weren't increasing. So I had to really kind of retool the ads. Um, I, I don't know again how much of it is, um, just this sort of temporary cultural reaction to the privacy issues or whatever, uh, or, and, and what I, I, I bought, so the attrition I think was, was that because I think people were dropping out of Facebook or, um, severing some of their, um, commercial, uh, ish, I guess, um, ties, right? Like sort of being overwhelmed by all the companies that they're now associated with. I think some people were trying to sort of drop out of that. Um, so again, it wasn't a huge rate, but it had, it had changed. Um, so anyway, I retooled the ads. I, I sort of, and they weren't massive changes, but I, I made the ads more about the product than about the company mm-hmm. or certain products that the company carried, um, where before they were very generic, like, Hey, this company become a fan. Here's what they do. Um, I mean, to be very vague about it, uh, those worked. They, they were not working. But to dig into, and one of the company's products is, is chocolate that all of a sudden worked gangbusters just this last week. I dropped that ad and boom, like the best ever. So I throw that out, out there for you. You know, uh, it, I don't know. Maybe it's that that you know that sort of. I, I think this could be a really good thing, um, you know, both for advertisers and for Facebook if people are more conscientious about the things that they associate themselves with. Right, you know, right. If right. anything, I mean, I, I I'm okay with an attrition rate as long as the people who stay with me are more active. Yeah, totally. Right. A lot of people, right, pro- probably sort of haphazardly became a fan at some point and it doesn't mean much they to don't, them or they to you. They don't serve you, right. I mean, that's, right, that's, exactly. They don't serve your use and you're not serving them, so... Um. No, I... Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, this this latest little ad campaign that, again, sort of, you know, diving into something a little more specific, um, a little more sort of clear about, um, you know, something people could relate to, I thought, uh, it, it by far the best yet. And, and that was after probably three runs of wow, they made this fan page to like change. All of a sudden these ads are doing nothing. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Hmm. Uh, Well, and that's actually an interesting sort of sidebar, right? I mean, we have this, um, uh, the uh, business insider story that uh, Facebook's growth has accelerated during this whole privacy flap, which is exactly what they wanted. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I mean, uh, you know, like any any uh, press, any any uh, any news is good news. Uh, uh, where you have more people thinking about Facebook, more people aware of Facebook, because everybody's talking about Facebook, and and of course you're going to have more people who are pulling the trigger to jump in. Interesting how that works, isn't yeah. it? And that and it and, and in the That's most negative. negative- well, and in the most negative articles I ever read during, you know, the last month or whatever about about Facebook, they tended to end with, and by the way, this will have no impact at all whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, they will probably do just fine and they'll still be around and they'll still be, you know, relevant and they'll probably grow. Yeah. And yeah. wow, look at that. Yep. Although I, I wonder how much of that growth is international too. That seems to be um I, I honestly I don't know what their breakout is, but but they're doing pretty well internationally. Well, it's uh, it's that's another good story to catch up on, and uh, finally, uh, let's see what was the last story we wanted to talk about. I've lost my window, people. I've lost my. What window. is? Did you? <laughs> I I I'll I'll throw this one out. Oh, but Megan, we've not heard enough from you. Go ahead. No, you heard plenty from me at the beginning. Of the <laughs> I was just going to say that they also uh, announced today that Facebook's partnering with the PTA around. Uh, child uh, privacy and security controls, which is a very interesting little cause marketing partnership now, isn't it? Yeah. What are they? So what are they doing? You know, I am not privy to all the details in the article. <laughs> Excuse me. Was a little... And you're probably not also on the PTA. I am not on wrong. the PTA. 
Um, I think they're actually also partnering with um, ConnectSafely.org. Um, so I don't know a ton, ton about it, but uh, I think it's a probably a pretty smart partnership for Facebook. Um, PTA is, I, I can only imagine the reach that the PT, PTA has. Um, so I think that's actually pretty interesting. Well, after my little experiment with the uh, open Facebook search, whatever uh, oh, website. No kidding. I, I really hope parents, you know, are, or whatever, whoever can have an influence on, on kids and how public their comments are. Oh my gosh. The stuff that is just open to the world to find out that, that I don't know if people know, you know, you, you can localize your searches, um, on that open Facebook and it's like, oh, wow. Scary. I mean, that's, that is well, really scary to think. I think there's probably going to be a whole lot of parents that learn a whole lot more than they ever knew about privacy on Facebook just through learning about relevant issues for their kids. So, you know, as juvenile as (laughs) the executives of Facebook (laughs) are, um, you know, it's probably a really smart match uh, for a lot of reasons. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually may have somebody to come on and talk to us about this too. So let's do that. So uh, keep making fun. Right. Keep making fun, haters. <laughs> <laughs> you and your causes. Are there any causes anymore? <laughs> well, so that is the news of the uh, the news of the things that we have found interesting of the last week. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, now we need to talk about tools. And I have a tool. I have actually a, a suite of tool or a, uh, let's see, a, uh, what do you call this? A, a category, a classic, a genus there you go. There of you tools, go. A species. Genus. Ooh, it's a I new like species that. of tool. And uh, it makes it, it sound like a cause. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. It's, uh, it's been around a while, <laughs> these, this suite of tools. Uh, there are two that, that we can talk about uh, Dropbox.com and Box.net. And, and uh, you know, there are others in the, in the field, but these two are two that I have used and really uh, love. I am a, a rabid Dropbox fan. I absolutely love Dropbox. Uh, what these things do is a, it's a cloud-based storage that allow you to sync your files, uh, files and folders between you know the cloud and multiple computers and your mobile device. So, for example, you know I have all of my uh, working creative directories in my Dropbox account, and I I uh, you know every I'm working on those files on my local machine, and when I'm finished, they sync up to the cloud with it invisibly, kind of. In, in the background and and then I can bring them up on my iPad and look at the files I can I can work with them open them in in pages on my iPad I can I, you know if it's a word document or presentation and then sync them back up uh, to the cloud I can share public files in these public uh, in a, a shared public directory which gives you great access if you have a really large uh, uh, large file or folder you need to, to give to somebody else who is not a Dropbox user you can just right click on it and grab the URL that's open to the web and and send it to them, and they can download directly from your Dropbox public directory. It's just a really easy way to to synchronize files between multiple multiple computers and share files with clients. So I have a shared folder with every one of my clients, and I just drop every document we're working on together, every creative brief, every uh, you know, every InDesign file or Photoshop file, and then they can look at it in real time too, uh, without having to send all these emails back and forth. Well, what is interesting about that is is Box.net, which does a similar thing uh, to Dropbox. They have a new Box.net sync client uh, now for Windows today, Mac by the end of the summer. And uh, uh, that allows even more integration between clients, uh, you know, from a collaborative aspect. So you can you can post these, you know, post the files, documents you want to share and uh, work with them, uh, comment on them, uh, you know, between many discrete users all over the world. They also do have- all sorts of syncing between uh, between both Google Docs and I believe Google Docs and Salesforce, uh, which is another really hmm. uh, uh, you know fantastic integration for Box. So uh, I did not know that. Yeah. So what is uh, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that Dropbox is one of my favorite client tools because it is it's one of those technologies that when you explain it at first sounds complicated, but it is the easiest thing to use ever. And you look like a super rock star because it's just simple and it's an easy 
single point of collaboration when you're not on site with the client. And I just, um, I, it's very cool. Well, that's absolutely so. true. That is absolutely true. I mean, I think about the people that I, I, you know, you just send a little email invitation and says, Hey, you know, install this. It's free. And, and suddenly, it takes two seconds. And then they have this, fi- they have a folder. additional folder in their computer and they're like, Oh, look, there's stuff in there. Well, and I, I will tell you, I've had two clients that have said, don't give me any more technology stuff. I can't deal with it. And I'm like, please just try this. It's so easy and yeah. have never looked back. So I've never looked back. Yeah, it really it's it greases the skids for for great sharing and collaboration. You know, Microsoft and SharePoint, you know, they've been doing kind of the shared folder thing for a long, long time. But it has never been as easy as as what both Box.net and Dropbox.com have done. Uh, I'm not I, I'm not 100 percent sure about the Box.net pricing structure, but but Dropbox is free for two gigs of sh- of storage. It is $99 a year for 50 gigs of storage and uh, 200 bucks or $199 for 200 gigs of storage. Uh, and, you know, one of the sort of corollary benefits of, of Dropbox, I've had done this a number of times, you get a new computer and you uh, all you do is the first thing i in, i install on a new computer is my is my dropbox uh, little dropbox application and it begins syncing all of my most important files it's it's like the de facto kind of real time backup that i have running all the time it just automatically downloads gigs and gigs and gigs of my most important files from the net i don't even have to think about it so it's it's really it's a great little tool um uh, swear by it you should too go get do it do you pink do you pinky swear by it i pinky swear by dropbox <laughs> okay, now I'm in. Yeah, right. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> I if there was a like button, I would like it. So uh, that's a lot of commitment. It's a lot of commitment. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that's the that's what we have. Uh, what other news do we have to share, uh, folks? No interview that's this right. week. What we will be back with three BL next week, right? Yay! All right. So uh, thanks for putting up with this drivel. Uh, and Megan Strand, where do we find you uh, if if people want to learn more about you? At Megan Strand on Twitter or Encouraged, I-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D, online. And have you registered uh, at Megan Strand Cosplay yet? Nice. You should. Cos marketing. I'll do that for you, Megan. Okay, good. We, we, need, to ha- we need to have a reunion where I can just smack the both of you. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be good. Well, That's... let's do that this summer. All right. It's a plan. Dane, where do people find you? I'm just going to make it easy on everyone. Go to strike10media.com, please. <laughs> and, and, and check out the picture of me on uh, facebook.com slash uh, Starbucks. What was it? Cosplay Starbucks. 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 Cosplay Starbucks. I missed it. But don't forget next year, May 1st, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I am at Pete Wright on the Twitter. I am at uh, fifthandmain.com is the website. If you want to learn more about the show, head over to thenakedmarketers.com. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes. For free, which is absolutely the easiest way to keep up with the Naked Marketers. Don't miss a beat. Subscribe in iTunes. We beg of you, please, subscribe in iTunes. That's all we have. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for downloading us. Uh, Thanks for putting up with us. Until next week, this has been the Naked Marketers. 